Hey folks, this is Paper in Pain, and I'm Steve. I'm Christian. How are you? Well, today we have a very serious topic to discuss.、Mm-hmm. On Saturday, a couple days ago, me and Steve attended、uh, a an open source conference here in Singapore.、Mm-hmm. Uh, met some wonderful people.、Uh, had a great opportunity to chat with some individuals that are. Doing some great work in the realm of engineering science. It's a really, really beautiful perspective, and I had never thought actually actually going to that deep before. Well, you see, sometimes you actually need to open your mind up、mm-hmm. to new things and look at the things from different perspectives. Talking about accessible design today, I think we are talking about universal design. Universal design, yeah, more than we do about accessible design. I think in twenty twenty three, it's time to stop thinking about、uh, being able or unable to do something,、mm-hmm. uh, having needs for accessible tech. I think we need to embrace the fact that every tech has to be accessible.、Mm-hmm. In That we as designers have the obligation to think about every single person, and we need to consider the possibilities that our users are vastly different and have different needs as such. Actually, if you're looking around, there are a lot of things in our life we're just taking too much for granted.、Uh, like if you're just going home, taking the stairs up, taking the stairs down, or if just Using the public transportation, going to the gantry, or just stepping onto the bus, we are just thinking it's happening naturally. But there are people who are actually less lucky than us. They have some movement.、Um, they they have trouble in moving their body, or they have maybe they got an accident before, or maybe they just like per,、uh, ter- temporal temporarily they just like they can't move as well and as human being as our lucky healthy human being.、Um, there are a lot of things that they they cannot use well. And things that we normally tend to ignore in a design. Well, you see, this is where I have to slightly disagree with you,、mm-hmm. and this is where I think we need to complete this with one very important distinction.、Uh, we used to see the world as this like averaged space, a space that's designed and built for an average consumer.、Mm-hmm. So it's a perfect image of a human being that can do things well. And essentially, we didn't have to consider anything else. Then we started thinking about people who have what we called "quote unquote" special needs.、Mm-hmm. So we had to facilitate for that, right? We had to deliver something that would help them. But now we are actually getting to a point where we're not just considering people、uh, who have again "quote unquote" special needs.、Mm-hmm. Uh, we started thinking about people who are not. Really experiencing what we would call permanent or temporary disability.、Uh, we are also talking about situational disabilities.、Mm-hmm. You might be carrying a baby.、Mm-hmm. You might be tired from a legs day at the gym. Yeah, and I can resonate that much. You might be doing dishes and won't be able to answer your phone by tapping your your touch screen. But、oh, that's a good touch. Yes. 
So essentially, that does not make you a person with a, with with disability, mm -hmm. but in this situation, you do require a technology to be able to facilitate the interaction, whether it's setting a timer and asking your virtual assistant to do that, mm -hmm. or literally just uh, switching off the music because somebody's uh, at the door and you need to get it. Or it would be even better if not only just the voice activated, if the technology can actually enable us to, they can perceive our need even before we actually call out for it. Well, I guess there is, there is a long way before we get there, but mm -hmm. what bugs me every day is that even with all what we have today, we are still not there. Well, um, one of the major problems for that is because majority of business, they don't really want to invest a lot in accessibility design, at least for the very beginning stage. People always tend to think accessibility only comes after the product is like more or less polished, and then they're putting as an add-on feature to it. It's like something nice to have, that's gonna boost your accessibility score, it's like make your product more accessible, more inclusive but i do not quite actually agree with that i i believe accessibility should be included at the very beginning of the product stage and it should be always there it's not a nice to have feature it should be included as one of the performance feature or even the basic feature so someone was working with design systems uh, why do you think businesses are not yet ready to embrace universal design and why do we have so many design systems that are quite mature, that have very well put together design teams that are supporting and growing them, and at the same time, they are ultimately not accessible? Basically, there will be two main reasons behind it. The first one will be most likely the legacy issue. There are a lot of components that have been created, and as I mentioned in the previous episode, if you are going to create a design system from ground up, that's like a greenfield project. But if you're going to revise what you have and just to gradually change something, enhance feature by feature, that's going to be actually more difficult than just starting everything from scratch. And because we have a lot of a legacy issue and those components have already been there, crafted there, and has been used there for many, many years before, um, the cost of changing them, ditching them, and just to create a new accessible variation of that will be quite a lot. That probably is like not really very business favorite decision. Another reason for that is because the we're talking about ROI. So when you are making a change, something there, uh, you want to have the return on your investment. And from business perspective, when you want to create an accessible design, accessible component, um, because the concept of people thinking doing something designing for accessibility is actually for the disabled person, they will consider those as a very small, very, very small percent, percentage of the whole population. We're talking about like really, really the end of the bell curve. And business-wise, the ROI is too low. You're basically investing a lot of money, a lot of time and effort, resources, investing on something that you may not even see any business return at all. And therefore, in terms of risk assessment, that's going to be considered as a high risk. 
Again, this is actually based on the mindset of how we define disability, how we define accessible, accessible design. So this is where the fundamental problem lies, right? Mm -hmm. That we all are essentially uh, raised by the abled, quote-unquote, world, and we look at it from the perspective of those people with special needs that we need to somehow cater to. But mm -hmm. we also look at it from a few slightly different perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. If the business is not ready to invest in it, it's not only because it's expensive right away, mm -hmm. but because businesses also think that this will somehow damage the product. This will damage the image. This will not let them use this cutting-edge technology that they want. Or, essentially, if you were to sum it up in a sentence, accessible equals ugly. They are looking at uh, HTML-only websites, and they think, well, if I cannot add a JavaScript code here, this is, uh, this is not working. It's not fancy enough, they it, believe. It is not up to standards. I cannot do that. I'd rather sacrifice what we know is at least 15% of the global population of people that live with disabilities. And we're not, again, we're not including that number of people with situational disabilities. Mm -hmm. And we are ultimately facing the, the problem of businesses who think that this may somehow uh, stain on the, the image of the brand. In fact, how can anything be perceived as ugly if it is usable and if it's built with a human needs in mind? How can anything be horrible and at the same time accessible? I cannot imagine an ugly, unusable website that at the same time we can say that, well, is fully accessible, beautiful. We've we've reached the goal well i can only say the ugly website that is meant to be like beautiful accessible to be accessible design but it turned out to be ugly and i i can only say it's not designed in a proper way one of the fundamental requirements of accessible design is essentially the same as one of the heuristics it should be minimal uh, not only in the aesthetical way, but it should be minimal in that regard that it does not add anything, mm -hmm. uh, any visual fluff, anything that is not contributing to UX, anything that can be effectively removed. The text that is cropped, that is easy to read, mm -hmm. the images that are clear with an old text so that you can see what's behind them, mm -hmm. the buttons with focus states. If you sum it all together in this beautiful big checklist, uh, there are checklists like that. Uh, one of my favorite ones is a, not a checklist. Uh, you can Google that one. Mm -hmm. You will see that those requirements cannot contribute to making a thing ugly. They will in fact help you design a better product, especially if you consider them from the beginning.
you just mentioned there are a lot of things actually designed for some people, but actually used by a lot of people. Like the lifts, lifts was actually not really designed because you are disabled person, so you have to use the lift because you can't actually put your wheelchair all the way to stairs. But lift was actually designed and was actually invented in a way just to just to free us from a lot of labor's tedious work because you don't want to. Take all the weight steer up, and that was what lift was actually invented. A wheelchair ramp, for example, is actually a more a suitable cases for like nowadays. People always think the wheelchair ramp is actually designed for disabled people, but well, if I'm riding a bike, I can't actually go to the stairs. I have to use the ramp to go ramp up and ramp down. So I'm not a disabled person by riding the bike, but when I'm on a bike, I am disabled by taking up to the stairs. In that case, it's what you call a situational disability. By the way,、uh, you 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 are saying disabled person. I know that、uh, there is this debate going on between、uh, disabled person or person with disabilities, and there are like spoilers on both sides.、Uh, but ultimately, you are absolutely right.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Throw in one example,、uh, the classical example that you could find in Design Meets Disability book,、uh, spectacles. Spectacles.、Uh, the thing that we're wearing right now,、mm-hmm. the both of us,、mm-hmm. uh, an accessory that ultimately encompasses everything that we've just discussed. A thing that was designed as a medical device.、Mm-hmm. Uh, a thing that we. We try to conceal as hard as we can. If we look at spectacles from like the fifties to the seventies, all the way to the nineties, actually,、mm-hmm. we would see that、uh, we were trying to hide them. We're trying to paint them this pinkish color so that it matches the color of the skin, which again, pink color. But in the nineties, we suddenly thought that well, they could be an accessory. Not something to be ashamed of, and not something to hide, but in fact something to embrace, something to put on our face, to make it look slightly different, to highlight the features of the face. And right now, we we've got people wearing spectacles without prescription lenses inside. Just purely for aesthetic. Yeah, we have this f- famous commercial from the '90s with this、mm-hmm. uh, with this beautiful woman wearing red spectacles and a lipstick. And it matches so well,、mm-hmm. and it looks so beautiful. So this is an example of designing for a group of people that require that for medical reasons,、uh, including a group of people who would need that for conveniency,、mm-hmm. and then being used by literally everyone because that looks so well. If we look at the digital world at the same time, we will notice things. Like dark mode, we will notice things like assistive touch. A lot of those features that are being used by literally everyone. Again, there is a debate whether we can consider dark mode an accessibility feature, and、uh, we we basically agree that yes, we can consider that accessibility feature. But it's also an aesthetical thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a function that is used by everyone. So, is it worth it again investing in accessibility from the business standpoint? 
And I guess the answer is yes. And the history teaches us that the answer is yes. And the world around us that's shifting towards embracing mm-hmm. universal design. It's quite clear, isn't it? It's telling us yes. So what do you think actually is actually stopping majority of a business from adopting this idea? No immediate return on investment, just like mm-hmm. you said. The ROI is too, too low and therefore the risk is too high. And this is where designers are coming in. Mm-hmm. So our job as a designer, and I've seen that multiple times, is not just to come up with something beautiful, right? Yeah. Our job is not even to just come up with a concept. Our job is to justify it. Mm-hmm. is to literally go to business, to stakeholders, to project managers and owners, and justify the design investment. What kind of business problems are we solving? And what kind of impact can we anticipate? So from our side, we need to not only consider accessibility and learn about it and research it, but also make sure that when we communicate the need To include that from the very beginning, we make it clear to include the numbers and the figures. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that when the business asks, why do I need to do that? We can give them concrete examples of why we need to invest in it and who will benefit from it. So what do you think as say designers, what should we do if you want to like enhance your ability in terms of making the design more sensible by designing for accessibility. With that in mind, is there any fundamental skills or any ref- or any recommendation you actually would like to tell designers? Talk to the user. Talk to the users. Go and find the user. Mm-hmm. Don't just talk to someone who, who's just like you. Don't talk mm-hmm. to someone who you think would be a perfect representation. Talk to different users. Actually, you should also include uh, different users, people with disability or people with limited vision, for example, or people with some motion. Uh, they have some troubles in moving their limbs. Actually, inviting them to your user testing and to see if your product actually works for them too or if they're going to have a lot of trouble completing a task using your product. From your perspective, as someone who's designing for design systems, mm-hmm. what are the things that we need to consider while building a design system? Well, for one thing is, for sure, you can actually take all these findings from usability testing, but along the way, the more user testing we go, we do have a lot of patterns, a lot of norm actually you can actually check. As you mentioned just now, we do have this accessibility checklist, but I think it's also every designer's, any any UX or UI designer's job to know those fundamental things, uh, know what is the WCAG standard. It used to be 2.0, but now I think we're all looking at 2.1. Um, basically, it's like web uh, content accessibility guideline, WCAG. Um, it checks the contrast ratio of all your buttons or your text. How does it actually look like in terms of color? And they check the contrast, rate, contrast ratio, so you're supposed to be at least 3.0 um, or higher to achieve certain contrast ratio. And this is for people with some vision uh, burden. And not only that, because we're talking about saturation of color as well, we're also talking about people with colorblind. And there, you know, actually, I just recently found out when we're talking about red 
colorblind, red, green colorblind. We're not talking about only one. Medically, there are like 12, I think there's like 12 or 10 different type of colorblind. And they actually, they, due to um, some issue when developing on the, in, in the internal structure of the eyes, they can't perceive a certain spectrum of the color or certain frequency of the color. And um, so basically, they perceive the image, perceive color in a different way. It's not just simply red and, and, and green that can't, can't differentiate with it. And of course, when you're talking about that, um, we're also talking about the focal state. And also we need to design for different focal state. When you are, for example, when you're designing a button or, you know, sometimes we use keyboard to control our website. And instead of using your mouse, you're using a tab. And then every time when you're shifting on a tab, you tap on a tab on your keyboard, you actually change the focal state on which one you're actually focusing on. Therefore, it gives you the visual cue. For example, I'm going to type a different URL in the address bar. By shifting this tab, um, it actually gives you the focus state. And the same thing actually shows the outline for the buttons there, where you're actually shifting between button and button. Um, well, you can try actually going back and try if you can actually achieve it by not touching your mouse when you're uh, doing your daily task, only relying on a keyboard. And that's kind of giving me a sense of how you actually works when you're having trouble moving your mouse, but only, only doing your work on using keyboard. That's, that's a very good thing that you as a designer can try doing today. And this will give you a very high level, but a pretty comprehensive perspective of what people who are not using a mouse for whatever reason are dealing with. Uh, there are people who think that just adding old text to images is good enough, and that is accessibility. There are people who think that, well, I checked the contrast in every color, it's accessible enough, move along. But in fact, we need to consider a lot of things as designers mm -hmm. uh, from the ground up, definitely uh, contrast check, definitely text legibility, definitely uh, focus states on all the uh, all the elements that and also don't state. rely on the single colors for a different states that actually is uh, a very good point because if if you go to wcag and you actually try reading mm -hmm. the standards mm -hmm. uh, you will find a lot of different requirements and a lot of different standards in different areas mm -hmm. and you will probably struggle to understand them all because uh Surprisingly, the text uh, of those standards is actually not very accessible. It's tricky. Mm -hmm. When you say that your text needs to be easily understandable by human beings, and then you proceed to writing a text that you literally need to spend hours and hours reading just to understand what they want from you. Luckily, there are examples. So go onto the website, uh, check out the latest WCAG standards. Mm -hmm. uh, I would advise to go one step further than just doing what's in the basic checklist and uh, actually talk to your developers or perhaps pick up some HTML and start thinking about how you zone your pages. Start thinking about uh, essentially which section are presented on your page so that you're not just passing your Figma designs, your, your, your mockups to your developers. 
you actually show the landmarks. You show where the main content is, where the navigation is, so that they code it properly. Uh, you show where the headlines are, and each headline is not only defined by its size, but also by its role, so that when you take a tree of headlines, you can actually see how your page is structured. And the list goes on, and you don't have to know it all by heart. There are things like uh, the, the the checklist that we mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, there's eBay's uh, Figma plugin that I'm using personally, mm -hmm. uh, which is a beautiful way of automating this uh, this check and essentially allocating landmarks, mm -hmm. uh, headlines, and doing a lot of other things. Uh, on your website or or the app that you're designing and let's not even start on uh, mobile design because again you have so many things that you need to consider as a designer in terms of the interactions mm -hmm. and that you will need to communicate to your developers as they implement it that if you leave it as an afterthought if you decide that for some reason you cannot do it now because you don't have bandwidth or because you don't have the budget once you've implemented all of that without considering accessibility, you will struggle going all the way back and implementing all of that. So we're talking about if you just skip in from the very beginning in, 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 in the beginning there and the cost of implementing it back in the future is going to be even greater than compared to what you have adopted from the very beginning. Imagine having 5,000 pages and on each of those pages you have no H1 headline, which means that technically the page does not have the headline. Mm -hmm. Or imagine building a website that uh, does not have alt text, the images, which means that once the images are not loaded properly, for whatever reason, they are just not displayed. So people uh, miss out on like half of the content of your website mm -hmm. because you forgot this little thing. And those little things tend to pile up. Yes, and luckily, if those things actually all componentize from the design system perspective, and then you can literally change it by changing the component and pushing everything out, that's going to speed up a lot. And that's what I think for design system, we have a major role in adopting and advocating accessibility design. I would say that uh, certainly the fundamentals should be a part of the design system, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not just about Figma components, like you mentioned. It goes all the way to establishing the principles that, well, that's how you differentiate between a UI kit that is well-designed and a design system, right? Yep. So accessibility should be one of the fundamental principles of your design system. Uh, and again, uh, it cannot just be limited to just following this checklist once, implementing that, and then forgetting about it. Ideally, accessible design is something that universal design is something that you practice daily. As your product grows, you, you're not trying to, to catch up with it. You are using it mm -hmm. and you keep testing it with the people who represent your audience, with different, different people, with uh, different demographics. Uh, different disabilities and without disabilities without neglecting any particular group 
because for some reason your business assumes that people with X are not going to be your target audience. You'll be disappointed to know how many people around you actually have a disability of sorts without you even knowing about that. You'd be surprised how many people with what we call permanent disability mm-hmm. are using the web every day. They are tweeting, they go into websites to order groceries, mm-hmm. they, 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 they work. They are human beings, just as you and I, just as everybody else that does their designs in Figma, and neglecting them essentially means that you're neglecting your user. Who are you designing for then? Who yeah. are you building for? The testing and just keep testing on different users, different type of users. Don't just focus in on. I, I actually I think we should actually include them into our person persona during user user research at the very beginning. There's only one challenge with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as we'd want to, we cannot really consider every single requirement. We cannot physically afford. It's it's just going to be impossible to address every single need in every single situation. There are going to be trade-offs. There are going to be things where the situations where we'd have to get creative. It's the fundamental shift in the mindset. And if you start talking to your users, if you start testing your products with different people, you will see that your even your fundamental persona, even if you take certain things into consideration, it will still not be enough. Because what you need is not just a checklist. It's not just WCAG guidelines. It's a little bit of empathy. A little bit of empathy that keeps growing. You need to be learning theory and practice, but at the same time, you need to be learning of people. What they need, what they do, how they live, and how you can help them as a designer. I've only got one question before we wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll get to a point where universal design is universally embraced? That's an interesting question. I I would not say it was. It, it is currently being universally implemented. Well, um, it, the word is just universal design anyway. Um, that's the same way as when you're talking about is accessible design being universally adapted for all the people with disability as we know that the spectrum is actually quite a lot we're not talking only about people having broken arms and legs or they're blind or they're deaf or they're mute there are a lot of disabled disability diseases that actually never came to me before, but they, they do exist. And they're still having the same life as we are having every day. So I would say it's definitely not, it's absolutely not being universally implemented yet, and we are still yet very far from that end. I think it's living in the city, where, in the country, where uh, 
is not prescribed by law mm-hmm. uh, to have consideration for different users and different needs. That uh, sort of is this roadblock, roadblock on the way to uh, adopting universal design by big companies and small companies alike. Uh, I think as a person with disability, I can say that uh, is challenging when you know that you are effectively being excluded mm-hmm. because, well, because someone just forgot to think about you because you do not represent this perfect image of a perfect user. But I see that in in certain countries in the West, in Europe, in, in UK, in the US as well, uh, there are standards that uh, are effectively enforced, uh, more or less. And not, not def- definitely not talking about uh, just like cookies, right? But uh, there are standards that uh, are enforced by governments. And as much as I don't like it, I think that without this little push, uh, the only thing we can do as designers, as community advocates, is is to persuade designers to not only wait for this moment to come when government will step in and say that you cannot release an app if it's not accessible, or you cannot just publish a website in that domain zone if it's not accessible. Before that happens, build a little bit of empathy, educate yourself on what accessibility is, go beyond what's in the checklist and uh, try real hard to convince others to do so as well. After all, that's what our, we as designers are really good at. We are supposed to develop empathy with users and try to feel them, try to experience the difficulty, the pain they're actually having every day and then we try to solve their problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I think that actually concludes all our podcast talk today. We talk a little bit about how we identify what is disability comparing to what is being as an abled person. And we also talk about situational and temporary and permanent disability. We did talk about some myths that about accessibility like business doesn't want to invest in accessibility and what's the reason behind it but we did also um, try to try to tell this actually that's not true and we the accessibility accessible design is supposed to be designed for some and used by a lot of people and as a designer we do have a few advices for you guys to actually go ahead discover and create more empathy towards users I'm Steve. I'm Christian. And thank you for listening to our podcast today. This is Paper in Pain, and we're looking forward to you for the next episode. See ya. See ya.